You are listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. This is a podcast about maternal mental health. Disclaimer, we are not professionals. We are moms who've experienced this ourselves and want to share our stories and stop the stigma. Heads up, some content may be triggering. We are recording from the Stone Sheba podcast studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and more. Hey everybody, this is Leslie. I am here with my friend Krista. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> um, she is going to be sharing with us her story. She has multiple multiples. Is that what you were just saying? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about your children. How many you have? So I've got five kids, uh, five and under. Uh, my oldest just turned five. I'm going to use oldest in quotations if this weren't a podcast. <laughs> um and then I have twin girls. Uh, they are three. And then I have my twin um, babies, a boy and a girl, that are now just shy of five months old. And with all of your children, did you have any kind of infertility struggles? Um, we did. My husband and I, um, we basically, we got married late and we kind of knew pretty much right away we wanted to start having kids and it took us... Uh, about two years before we got our son, I had two miscarriages during that time. Um, the first one was kind of one of those, you don't really know you're pregnant until it happens sort of thing. Uh, the second one was uh, more brutal, but I use that word lightly because I know there's a lot worse that could happen. But I was just shy of 10 weeks with that one. And uh, we were going in for a like checkup and the doctor's... Uh, kind of were super awkward with us and um, we knew something was wrong when they did the ultrasound and then they didn't say anything they just kind of left the room we were sitting in there for a while and after about 40 minutes we started like crying and sat and like said a prayer together and then the doctor comes back in has his back to us and he's looking at our chart or my chart and finally my husband's like uh, excuse me and he just quickly turns around and he goes oh yeah you're gonna have a miscarriage oh. and then Great went, delivery on went, that one. Went back to reading his chart. And then, so that one was a little rough. But um, after that, um, we were thankfully blessed with our son and our twins and everybody. And all of our pregnancies are, are Clomid, <laughs> which is... <laughs> Doesn't Clomid make you crazy? Um, it can, yeah. The, the tracking of that makes you a little nuts. My sister-in-law tried it for like a brief minute after I told her about it. And she's like, I don't know how you do that. Like, oh. you have to track everything. And it gives you a higher likelihood of twins, hence my two sets. So your twins are not from IVF. They're no, from Clomid. They're from Clomid. Holy cow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so when you had Red is your oldest, right? Yes, Red. So cute. He's the cutest boy. He's um, my calm. Is he calm? He's my calm. Aww. He is a, he's a sweet boy. Um, you had him and then you had your twins. Were you completely shocked with your twins? With our first set? Mm -hmm. uh, not completely. It was kind of funny because I had gone into the ultrasound by myself. <laughs> and then I had a picture and I literally just texted the picture to my husband. <laughs> and I said, guess what? <laughs> and he's like, is that what I think it is? <laughs> and then it was just, it was kind of funny. And it was a bit of a roller coaster of like, um, okay, I'm freaked out. How are we going to manage this? How are we going to do, like, I work full time, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, 
And it was just this big roller coaster of, yay, I'm so excited. We're going to get two. Oh, my gosh. We're having two. Oh, yeah, we're going to. Oh, yeah, uh. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was really like that. And it could happen in, like, a 60-second like, oh, sure. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was a roller coaster. But it was fun, like, once we settled, settled into <laughs> the idea of it. Yeah. You know. And did you, um, with that first pregnancy with the twins, so second pregnancy, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. yeah you know what I mean? Um, with the first set of twins, was that pregnancy a good pregnancy for you? Were you sick at all? So all of my pregnancies have had some complications, uh, with my, with red, um, I was bed rested for seven weeks with him. I had a subchorionic, uh, hemorrhage. That's right. Um, and that was a little bit insane. bed rest for me and I'm sure bed rest for anybody like like, you can't cook your own dinner and I'm like really do they know who they're telling that to you're (laughs) a workhorse that was was like a death sentence (laughs) um so yeah so I had that with him but once that resolved um I didn't have any issues until he delivered which was pretty we had a pretty traumatic delivery with him um and then with my girls, I, um, I had another subchorionic hemorrhage. I was bed rested for five weeks with them. Um, and then, um, delivery wise, it was, I, I did get, I did develop gestational diabetes with them as well. Um, which was not fun, especially cause at that time it was managed with medication and then the medications are like, it was like pills medication and it was just horrible. Like the way it was managed was crappy, but mm. Um, and then I had a scheduled C-section with them. I went to 37 weeks with oh, them, wow. which turned out was apparently more of an anomaly than I realized. Oh. Obviously, after this last round. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about that. <laughs> so how, what's the space between the sets of twins? How long did you wait? So technically, if my second set had gone to when they were supposed to deliver, they actually would have had the same birthday as my first set of twins. We decided that's going to be a family holiday (laughs) just because that's when they were supposed to be born. And they just decided to be rebellious. Um, So now because of them being early, it's like two years, nine months is the gap between them. Um or two years, 10 months, something like that. My babies are June and my other, my girls are August. So, oh yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And did you uh, tell me your reaction when you realized you're having another set of twins? Well, that's kind of a funny thing. So, cause you already have all the stuff, right? Well, actually <laughs> that's another funny thing. We got rid of one of everything after the first oh set. Cause we were gosh. like, what are the odds that we're going to have another set of twins? And it was funny. Cause we got rid of that. My husband was totally on board. Cause at the time, having twins it took him a little longer to get on board with having more kids he was like yeah and the fact that my pregnancy seemed to be just getting progressively worse um but he he was like yeah get rid of it i don't care we're not having more kids get rid of it (laughs) just do whatever you want to do give it all away (laughs) so i kind of just hid one of everything in the crawl space and got rid of one of everything i was like we're having more you just don't know it yet (laughs) um and then uh when we went in for the day we were supposed to have our like ultrasound I texted my husband. I was like, I had a really vivid dream that we're having eight. And he's like, "Uh, I don't think that's happening, but I'm pretty sure we're having more than one. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So we went in and to our surprise, the doctor told us it was just one. Oh, serious. Yeah. She goes, 
I she goes I've only ever had one other time where like this was wrong they have to be lined up perfectly for this to be wrong so the odds of this like this being more than one at this point slim to none and we're like okay and so it was funny because we had kind of mentally prepared ourselves for more than one and then when she told us it was one it was like oh that was a little bit of a letdown but okay like we can get on board with this This is gonna be cake one kid after having the other ones we were like yeah like we can one of us can sleep at night instead of (laughs) us both having to get up and it was kind of funny and my husband was surprisingly really disappointed really he was like i swear it was supposed to be more than one i swear and i was like i'm sorry babe but imagine like one's gonna be super fun like we could go out in public with four kids like that's totally fine and then a couple weeks later went back in for another ultrasound and it was actually with a different doctor this time around and um and he we were like we've already had our ultrasound it was one da, 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 da. And he's like okay da, da, da. we go do the ultrasound and he just barely scraped across my belly like i mean we're talking like a second and a half and my husband and i both saw it the doctor saw it and he quickly pulled the ultrasound thing up and he was like uh did you see that <laughs> and we were like is that what we think it is <laughs> and he goes uh, yeah, you're having twins, but let's uh, just check again. And I'm like, check again and make sure I'm having twins. He goes, no, you're having twins. Let's just look around some more. And we're like, oh, okay. And at that point, I was crying, laughing. <laughs> like, I mean, all the emotions at one time. Uh-huh. And my husband, like, hyperventilating. And he's just busting up laughing next to me, my husband is. Uh-huh. He's like, this is freaking hilarious. Like, like what just, are the odds? <laughs> it, was, it was pretty funny. And there was a lot more panic around around that afterwards because... It was just like, okay, yeah, it was a nice thought before knowing it was going to happen. And then actually having it be a reality was like, how are we going to do this? Seriously. Because it was five kids under five. How do you guys all fit in one car? Um, I guess. We have five car seats in our expedition. And we had to buy some special car seats for our back row to put our three toddlers in the back so that they all fit. And the, the baby car seats are in the front. Not that we really ever go anywhere right now. We're on quarantine. Yeah. But still, like, yeah. we have the option. <laughs> If we need to go to the doctor. <laughs> oh my. Okay. And so you had, you had this last set of babies in June? In June. Yeah. yeah. And how was the rest of that pregnancy after you found out? So I had another subchorionic hemorrhage, um, which the doctors claim that doesn't mean anything that you've had one before. It doesn't mean you're going to have it again. I beg to differ after having three in a row. But um, apparently they've learned some things between my last pregnancy and this one. And they were like, turns out bed rest doesn't actually do anything. And I was like, so you just made me waste like seven seven weeks from the first and five. So 12 weeks of my life, I just sat there doing nothing. And you just now figured this out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's funny because like I was irritated. But at the same time, I'm like, well, I feel like I'm supposed to be doing something. So it's kind of hard because they're literally just like, wait, hurry up and wait and see if it resolves itself. So, um, it was, that was a little bit brutal. I also developed, um, a more severe case of gestational diabetes this time around. Mm. It was diagnosed pretty early cause I was having some, some sugar issues and I had to go on insulin, which was not fun. Um, that was a whole other roller coaster of feeling responsible for something and Aww. you know, that you just, guilt. All, all the guilt that our us moms put on ourselves cause we're responsible for everything. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it was, it was kind of not great and it was frustrating because it was, I knew it was my last pregnancy with everything that we 
like with all my pregnancies getting progressively worse, we knew we were like, this is going to be it. And obviously five kids under five, that was another reason Oof. to be done. Bless you. <laughs> um, but it was, it was hard getting all of this, all, just having all that crap when it's like your last one and you just want to be, you know, like, oh, yay, this is a sweet pregnancy. And oh, look at my cute baby bump. And oh, I felt a kick. And yeah. you just didn't get to enjoy any of that stuff. Yeah. Kind of robs you from that experience. Yeah. Did you feel like during that, this last pregnancy with all of that, did you feel like depressed at all? Did you feel off? Um, while it was going on, I mean, I would say I, I had, I was in a funk some, mm-hmm. some of the time. I don't know. Um, I'll be honest, the last like year of my life is kind of a blur. So describing it as more than that, I'm not really sure. But um, there were definitely days where it just... It just, it was hard, you know, just mm-hmm. like not being able, and, and like I have three toddlers at home. So, I mean, the, the, aside from the hurry up and wait, I wasn't allowed to lift more than 10 pounds, you know, that kind of stuff. And so when my kids at home were like, Hey mommy, hold me, hit me this, or, you know, they kick me in the belly and I freak out kind of thing. Like, yeah. you know, just that kind of stuff really sucked. Just trying to manage the emotions of that and trying not to ruin my three kids at home. Yeah. During the process. Mm-hmm. But so. you, f- you know, you already feel that way anyways. Yeah. And then top it off with everything else. Yeah. That's not a good combo. Yeah. Um, so. so the, you didn't have to go on bed rest. I didn't have to go on bed rest with that. So I can just kind of dive in here. So at 25 weeks, um, I started leaking fluid. Um, and I didn't really know what to, what was happening. I've never had my water break or anything like that. So I've never really known like what to experience or what that feels like. Um, but it was Memorial day weekend and it was on a Saturday, like literally it was a normal Saturday and all we were sitting watching a movie. Like it was not like I was doing anything. I was just sitting there watching a movie and all of a sudden I was like, uh, and it wasn't this like massive amount of like you know, anything. It was just like, okay, there's a noticeable change here. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I kind of, I let it ride. Like, I feel like every time we rush to the doctor, you know, they're like, oh, well, how long has this been going on? An hour? Okay, go home. Like, you know, so I didn't, I didn't want to go through that. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to wait this out. Next morning, um, it turned into bleeding. So I went into the ER. They sent me up to, um, the labor and delivery area to be checked out. And, um, I spent a couple hours in there and frustratingly enough, I never actually saw a doctor. Um, and you're pregnant with twins and bleeding. Yes. The reason for that is because the bleeding had just kind of like gotten to a point and not gotten worse. And I had had an in-depth ultrasound on Friday with the multi, uh, maternal fetal medicine group, excuse me. Um, and they were like, oh, okay, well, she's had a recent enough ultrasound. We don't need to like do a major checkup here. I'm sure this is nothing. That's kind of how it was. So the doctor just read my chart outside of the room and sent the nurse in to relay the message. And so they were like, let's just leave you in here for a couple hours. Just watch, see if it gets worse. If not, we're going to send you home. So that's basically what happened. They sent me home. Um, I got home and it still like, I felt like it was, I was like, it's not getting worse, but it's not getting better either. So I just, I still very much so felt like something was wrong. 
but again it's Memorial Day weekend so doctors aren't in the office until Tuesday this is on a Sunday at this point and I was just like okay I'm gonna take it super easy wait this out um, get to Tuesday morning and I get on the phone with my doctor who says you need to go to labor and delivery and get checked and I was like no I'm not doing that again they dismissed me and sent me home I'm not doing that and they were like okay well let's get another person on the phone or whatever I don't know it was something weird they like I got passed around between a bunch of different doctors I was like I will go to labor and delivery after I see you first like I'm not going to go and get dismissed because all they're going to do is do exactly what they did two days ago so anyways after a lot of getting passed around and me being um kind of a jerk to a lot of people on the phone I was just really insistent and pushy good um they sent me down to um, I live in Lehigh. They sent me to Provo to the maternal fetal medicine doctor there for like the high risk doctors um, to get a more in-depth ultrasound again. So I go into the doctor there and, and they like the appointment was for like two hours. So basically I just went, dropped my other three off and headed down to the doctor. I get in there and she does the ultrasound and um, come to find out that from Friday Friday's ultrasound to Tuesday's ultrasound, my little girl, her fluid around her had gone from like seven point something down to two, Um, which is, she's like, you're, you've ruptured basically is what they've said. And I'm like, okay. So she's like, you're leaking amniotic fluid. And I'm just kind of sitting in there and she's going through all this and the doctor's staring at me and I just was silent. I was just staring at her and she's like, so what's going to happen now is I'm going to have my nurse take you up to um, the labor and delivery area. They're going to admit you on hospital bed rest, and we're going to try and get you to 34 weeks at this point, but you're not leaving the hospital. And I just sat there staring at her, and she's like, are you with me? <laughs> she's like, I just told you that your entire summer has gone, and this is what's going on, and you're not responding. Are you here? And, I, and then I just, like, broke down and lost it. Oh, my gosh. So then the nurse is, like, walking me through the hallways of this hospital. I'm like hysterically sobbing like you know your husband wasn't there right my husband was not there most of the, i mean after after the first one it was pretty rare for us to get to go yeah. to doctor's appointments together totally. like <laughs> just get it done <laughs> yeah first of all just get it done second of all we've got three other kids so i'm not paying yeah. for a babysitter no. for a doctor's appointment amen so i called him and he's like oh okay like it was this like very much so in shock about what's going on they get me through the whole process get me admitted into an antepartum room up in labor and delivery and and then they proceed to send in doctors and specialists and all these people they start running all these tests um and they they have this test where they can like check the fluid to make sure it's amniotic fluid that's coming out Mm -hmm. um and they said that like it's not always accurate but it's kind of a general idea for them so they kept running that test and it kept coming back negative and they're like we don't think you're ruptured we're probably going to go home tomorrow and i'm like okay I'm a little confused as to what's going on and my MFM doctor she was insistent she's like that girl is ruptured she's not going home which I'm really grateful she was equally as pushy as I was once she like saw my ultrasound and everything so she insisted that they continue to test me and then do another ultrasound the next day and the next day it went from two to one in my fluid so they were like okay no so at that point I knew I was admitted, I was on bed rest, and the goal was to get me to 34 weeks. They sent in a neonatologist to speak with us about what delivery of a 25-weeker looked like. They gave us a tour of the NICU, 
and took us to see they i mean obviously with hipaa they can't like tell you anything about the babies but they let you see a baby that is as close to the age of what your baby would be if they were born at that time um and um just you know just piles of information coming at us basically and since there's twins wouldn't they be like teeny teeny tiny right yeah yeah generally so they they do measurements um and obviously it's an ultrasound so it's not entirely accurate ours measurements were surprisingly good Mm. um they uh they were my boy was measuring like just like around the two pound mark at that time or maybe just under and my little girl was like one pound like 10 ounces or something like that when they were doing those measurements so um that was at least good but anyway so yeah so I got put on bed rest my um a neighbor of ours who's a good friend of mine rushed to the hospital and literally sat down and put together a child care calendar because my husband works and I work and we're trying to juggle three toddlers and it was just this like I don't know it was it was this weird state of shock and like I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be crying or what's going on it was just I don't know it was it was heavy I guess yeah that's like major trauma um and honestly like it was my my husband he kept going I think you should take this time and like journal and write down what you're feeling and everything and I was like I can't do it I can't I cannot face these emotions right now I was feeling horrible that I couldn't be there with my other three kids and they were I mean my husband's basically a single dad now and they're in Lehigh I'm in Provo sitting in a hospital room and like I'm calling and you know when you're on the phone with somebody like I feel like I it was like taking me back to my teenage years when I was in college in Utah and my family's in California and they're on the phone like we're watching a movie and I'm like that sounds like the best thing ever <laughs> like left out like yeah like you feel so left out like you're imagining this like amazing scenario and they're really just sitting on a couch watching a movie but like you feel so left out like that's how it felt sitting there every time I'm talking to my husband and I hear my kids like laugh in the background or just like whatever's going on I had a neighbor who was watching one time and sent me a picture or a video of my one of my girls just sitting on the trampoline out at her house like singing a song by herself and and like shouting and playing with the echoes outside and I'm just I just started sobbing I'm like I'm I'm missing their life and Mm -hmm. it was just it was you know it was it was hard um and then I'm feeling guilty because I'm like wishing I wasn't on bed rest and playing out scenarios in my head of well if they came now it's better than if they came before and and then it was just feeling selfish because I'm you know not wanting to be there Mm -hmm. you know Anyways, it was just it was a it was a roller coaster of crazy and basically I just kind of went from one meal to the next to get by. That's literally what I was like. Okay, what do I have to look forward to? Breakfast. Ugh. You know. And did you have like did you have a lot of support with the nurses and the doctors? Were they good to you? Did you feel safe there? Like listened to? I loved 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 the hospital there like those the nurses both in the antepartum unit where I was and in the NICU I I mean to go through what we went through I'm grateful for that they're angels to Mm -hmm. taking care of us the way that they did there was there was a day I was I was on the phone with someone trying to like get childcare stuff worked out and and it was 
just this like frustration on the other end of like well what's going on with the kids am I coming to get the kids am I doing this am I doing that and I was just like I just need to talk can I just talk to somebody can I just talk to you and it was just this frustration coming at me on the other side of and 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 I get it people I think wanted to fix things yeah and so that's like it's it's hard to face our feelings and our emotions and like hear other people and what they're going through and know what to say and what not to say and and so I think it was this okay I'm not going to deal with the emotions I'm going to deal with the logistics because that's easy I can deal with logistics and so that's what was coming at me is logistics and I was sitting in my hospital bed just like can you just listen to me like I my life just got turned upside down like I I don't know what's going on and I don't know if these babies are going to make it and you know all these things and and it was just it was hard and I was really grateful because the nurse one of the nurses came in when I was in the middle of that conversation I ended up hanging up the phone and and she just sat there and she hugged me and she cried with me and she's like tell me whatever you need to tell me like just let's let's talk it out you know like she just she sat in there for like an hour and I'm not sure that uh, I don't know if they're supposed to do that but I'm <laughs> I don't know if I'm tattling on the nurses or whatever, but <laughs> it was, names, it was yeah it was no names <laughs> um but it it really was this like they were my support I mean and I had friends and family obviously that like I'm talking to but it's different when it's just like over the phone or you know yeah. well and when it's someone that's unbiased it makes it even more well, and they, like, those nurses, it's it's hard for people to get it if they haven't been through it. And those That's nurses true. see it, like, daily. They're, 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 they're experiencing it. You know, they had however many people in their antepartum unit just trying to hold off labor. And they're bringing in their families and their kids and everything else. And so they get it, you know. And that's, I think that's the hardest thing about the whole experience, both with being on hospital bed rest and then being in the NICU for four months, like, it was people want to try to understand but they don't Mm -hmm. and that's hard it's hard for me to feel like I need to help them understand and it's hard to have them not understand like and not know what to say or how to talk to things so then I feel like I just have to shut up like and not say anything because I'm like if you really knew everything going on in my head right now yeah like or what was yeah it's just it's hard people don't understand it Mm mm-hmm how long were you on that bed rest for before they came? Um, so I was on bed rest for two weeks. Um, we, uh, I started contracting the week before the babies were born, and that's when they put me on continuous monitoring, which trying to keep twins on continuous monitoring, I didn't get a lot of sleep, um, especially with my daughter who had no fluid. She's just stuck in one spot, and my son is, like, swimming around like he's in a giant hotel pool. Ugh. So they were like, he just keeps moving. (laughs) He should be a good swimmer when he gets bigger. (laughs) Um, So I have his on continuous monitoring. And then um, one of the nights, so it was the Tuesday before they were born. They were born on a Sunday. Um, They, I, um, I started bleeding. I had a placental abruption. And they thought I was going to deliver. So they put me on the magnesium, which is horrible and makes you feel like you've been hit by a truck. Mm did all that stuff for about eight hours and then they were like okay it's not getting worse normally with a placental abruption we see heart rate start dropping but babies are doing well we're not we're going to stop the magnesium we're going to put this on hold so we stopped it two days later started again 
that stopped after like two hours on the magnesium. And then Sunday morning, um, the funny thing is, is like no major event necessarily took place. Like there wasn't bleeding or anything like that Saturday into Sunday, but um, my, my daughter's heart rate just was consistently decelerating to a point where they were like, it's not horrible, but it's doing this consistently enough that like we're uncomfortable and we want to give the NICU the healthiest 27 weekers we can. So they took me in for an emergency C-section. Like literally I was in the middle of breakfast and the nurse comes in and they give me my insulin and everything. And the nurse comes in and she goes, yeah, you're done. And she takes my tray. And I was like, what, what's happening? And then the doctor immediately followed. Okay. We're taking you in for an emergency C-section. Here's what's going on. So I called my husband. He was headed to church with my kids. He literally like called a neighbor that she took him to church. He ran to the hospital and barely made it in time like got gowned up and they rolled me back and it was go time basically um so they were born at 27 weeks and three days um so it was just yeah that was and it was that was a whirlwind i mean so what do they do you what goes through your mind when when you're getting it has C-section. You're 27 weekers. You've been in the hospital already having gone through what feels like probably one of the most traumatic experiences of your life. Where are you at with that? At that point, I the only question that was going through my head was also the only question I was afraid to ask, which was, are they going to survive? Hmm. I had no idea. And... And I, and I know, like, medical technology is amazing, and we've come so far, and 27 weekers survive all the time. But when you're in the middle of that, like, that's literally the only thing I could think. And I couldn't ask the question. I was terrified. My, um, so they, they got me all, you know, medicated and everything. My husband, apparently, I found out after the fact, was having a panic attack in the operating room. He was, like, terrified about what was going on. And they do everything and literally like they, the doctors, it's funny because they're so happy and positive and I'm like (laughs) sitting, I threw up and I'm like, you know, like just like traumatized there and they're just like, yeah, this is a normal run of the mill thing for us. And, um, it was, it was pretty quick and they were like, okay, baby one is out. And I just turned to my husband and I was sobbing and I was like, is he okay? Okay. And, and he he couldn't really answer me at the time because they had two teams, two NICU teams that immediately rushed both of them away. And then they kind of gave my husband the option to run back and forth, like get reports and then come back and forth. So it took a couple minutes before he came back. He's like, they're okay. They're alive. Like, you know, like they're working on them and I'm still in my head. Like I can't see them. I have no idea. And so in my head, I'm like, okay, they're alive, but yeah, you know, like the worst possible things run through your mind when you're sitting in that situation so vulnerable too yeah yeah and i'm just like can you just hurry up and do whatever you need to do to get me to a point where like i can go and you know like that's what i was thinking in my head and then it was it was horrible and so they um they had to rush the babies to the NICU and and um start doing all that they took me out and back to my recovery or not my recovery room, my labor and delivery room and that's where they had me like pack up so they could take me down to recovery and on the way there they wheeled me into the NICU so that I could see them um they're both in incubators my daughter had to be intubated 
um, she was she with her rupture and the fluid the fluid is necessary for them to like for their lung development so her lungs were just a lot sicker um, and she was tinier she was two pounds five ounces and my son was two pounds twelve ounces um, he was on a ventilator so for like a breathing machine but not intubated um, so she had to they actually had to go through um, some resuscitation with her um, so they just kind of let us let me I'm just laying in the bed that they wheeled me in so I just kind of got to peek at him for a minute and then they I took bet me you'll never forget that moment it was yeah Yeah, it was hard to see them like that and not be able to do anything. Just and then that's when that whole like I don't know all the just the worst case scenarios start running through my mind and the what ifs and the guilt about what I should have done differently and like all those things that just start playing over and over and over. So they, they took me down to my room and, and they had somebody come and explain um, what kind of what the process of the NICU looked like at that point for us. They're like, okay, so here's how we work. We treat first, we'll call you later or call you after, not later, after kind of thing. So they're like, we're not gonna wait and get your permission to do something. If it's an urgent need, you know, we'll treat and then we'll call and um, and they they explained to us like what what it looked like for like okay so they're on a um I can't remember what they called it now but basically we couldn't hold my we couldn't hold either of them um my son we couldn't hold for the first week it took it was seven days before we got to hold him um minimal stimulation protocol that's what mm. it's called um because they were so early they get overstimulated really easily so they limit um, how often they get in with them, touch, you couldn't, you couldn't like stroke them and rub them. It was firm touches only. Mm. Um, and it was only every six hours that you could get in. And, and for us, it was, you could get in and change their diaper. Like they showed us how to change their diaper and take their temperature, clean out their mouth and, and then close them back up. Like that was, that was it. So it was like, the best thing in the world to get to change my baby's diaper and you know do those things which seems like such a silly thing but that was the only f interaction I was able to have with them it was weeks before I got to actually like kiss them and I think it was oh. almost over a month actually and I had to ask permission like for all those things I mean meanwhile you're healing from a c-section meanwhile yeah <laughs> so it was um yeah it was it was hard trying to just get accustomed while dealing with the hormones and the c-section healing and all that and then trying to take in all these rules which i understand they totally make sense they're yeah. absolutely necessary but it's just not what you expect that time to look like you know so um that first day or that first night we were sleeping I, or i was attempting to sleep in my recovery room and um I got woken up at like 5.15, I think it was, 5.30 in the morning with the first like of those phone calls from the NICU that they said, okay, here's what happened. 
and that was the very first experience of that and I it was horrible after that I was terrified every time the phone rang because they called that morning to say you know so your daughter her she had some she had attention pneumothorax um, we had to put in a chest tube um, here's what's going on she's okay and I'm you know all those things that you I see those on TV shows like I'm like okay what is this look like for my tiny little two-pound baby no kidding and you're home at this point right no, I was in the hospital room okay. at this point so they could just called down to my room so they let you so I had because I had a c-section I was in the hospital for three nights well, because they were in the NICU they give you a, like a bonus day insurance mm. is so sweet Ooh. so we got that bonus they were like do you want to use that I was like, yeah I'm not leaving <laughs> <laughs> Duh. <laughs> yeah really so um so yeah I was I was still in the hospital this was Monday morning is when that happened the day after they were born and um and then every time the phone rang and it could like the phone would ring for like registration calling me there was some telemarketer that got that dang phone number and called like three times and I lost my stuff on him the third time I was like do you have any idea what you're doing to me every time this phone rings because it was just like my anxiety like everything was just like through the roof with that so it was just it was horrible so yeah so um we just kind of started down that I don't I don't know started down the process of the NICU and care conferences with doctors and trying to figure out how to I don't know manage all of that and it was different while I was in the hospital because I still felt like I was at least close to them I remember one of the days I we'd call down to say I'm coming to do it, it was called cares when you'd get in with them every six hours and I was and I'd be like I'm make sure don't get into doing without me and one of the nurses didn't get that message and I was like five minutes late and I get down there and she was changed she'd already changed Henry my son's diaper and I just completely I was like what are you doing and she's like well I wasn't sure if you were coming and and I just started sobbing and I was and in my head I'm like I'm freaking out right now about a diaper change but also in my head I'm like this is the only interaction I get to have with my child right now and you just took that away from me and yeah a lot more than a diaper change and it was just all those things that I don't know I feel like we take for granted the little interactions we get to have with our kids and mine were so limited that it was just it was this precious time you know and the day that you were discharged from the hospital was the worst day ever yeah I was gonna say how did you process that day so I I didn't really I don't know it didn't hit me it didn't realize like what was going on in my brain I just didn't connect everything until I stepped foot outside and it was literally like I stepped foot outside and breathe was breathing fresh air for the first time in three weeks because I'd been in the hospital that whole time mm-hmm. and I collapsed just like out there in the there's like a little bench in the in the portico at the hospital and my husband just kind of caught me and I just I just lost it I was like I can't leave him I can't leave him or, you know I just you're supposed to go home with your babies and I wasn't getting to do that and and I had no idea if I was ever going to get to do that or what that looked like and and so I just it was hard and we had to go 
you know, get a breast pump and these things that like I hadn't really prepared for because they came so early. And we get home and my my other three kids were there and I remember walking into my house which again I hadn't been there in three weeks and I I I couldn't I couldn't handle it I had I sat I grabbed a chair because I was about to fall on the floor and I just started sobbing and my poor little three-year-old one of my girls she she's my little soulmate she's she's an empath I swear she gets me she started sobbing with me and she's just crying and then my other kids started crying because we're crying and I was just sitting there I'm like I'm breaking my kids and I don't have my babies and it was just so much emotion just like piling on and I just I felt like the world was crashing down on me and I couldn't I, I did not know what to do. I was spiraling. Um, and uh, my husband came in and he just was like, I, he didn't know what to do. He, you know, he got me up to bed. And everywhere I walked in my house, I, I it was like it made it worse because I'm seeing all these things that like, you know, you, it was silly, stupid mom stuff at the same time as like serious stuff like I'm sitting there thinking about my babies that aren't with me and my kids that I'm breaking and and then I'm piling on my house is a mess I haven't been home in three weeks my bed's not made my my floor is disgusting like things like that just all those things that we take on and we just like they turn into these massive massive problems that they shouldn't be but they are and so I'm just all of that stuff just everywhere I walked in my house I just was like it was getting worse and worse and my poor little daughter the one that was crying with me is following me and crying the whole time she just she she was just like mommy's sad I'm sad mommy's sad I'm sad and I'm like I don't know what to do I can't stop this and I'm hurting her and and so my husband got um a good friend of ours to come over and she she finally hurt between her and my husband they got me to like lay down in bed and I just sat in bed sobbing. My daughter climbed into bed with me, and I'm not kidding, for the next two days, that's what she did. She laid next to me. She is three, well, at the time, two, not quite three. And she just laid in bed with me crying. And I finally, after two days, was like, I have to do something because I can't keep doing this to her. But it was, it was horrible. And the time that, like, I don't get, I wasn't, like, laying at home healing from a major surgery of C-section. I was getting up each day to go to the hospital too Mm -hmm. so it was just I don't know it was it was horrible it's like coming at you from every angle yeah and some of them are just silly angles like you know but I couldn't stop it yeah it was just it was just everywhere and every time I left my house to go to the hospital for that first little while my kids at home were really freaking out every time I left to go visit the babies because the last time I left to go to the doctor literally a doctor's appointment I didn't come home Mm -hmm. so all of them would sit and cry every time I left to go to the hospital see the babies for probably the first like three weeks oh my gosh it was horrible and I had to explain to them every single time I'm like I'm coming home I'm coming home I promise I'm coming home tonight I'll see you tonight I'll come in and kiss you goodnight like whatever it was you know whenever it was I was going to the hospital and it took it took so much time to adjust to 
like okay she's going to see the babies and then and then it became okay are you bringing the babies home are you bringing the babies home I'm like no they're not coming home yet I'm sorry you know and so during all of this I'm feeling guilty every time I leave my house and I leave my three kids at home and I'm feeling guilty that I'm leaving my husband with my three kids at home or a babysitter because we had so many like neighbors and friends and people who were babysitting for us so I'm feeling guilty about that every time I get to the hospital I'm feeling guilty because I haven't been there and the the people there they don't or the nurses they don't do it with any sort of like bad intentions or, or trying to make you feel guilty or anything but they have to know so that incidences where like the, with the diaper change don't happen they're like okay so are you coming back tonight and I'm like I can't come back tonight <laughs> you know so because it's a 30 minute drive from my yeah. house to the hospital every single time like one way so and I've got three kids at home and I'm like nope I come once a day and I'm here for like six hours and then I go home and I'm with my kids at home and so every single time they asked that question it was just like digging this knife further and further in and I even talked to them about it and they're like is there a way that we could ask that differently? And I'm like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. know. How do you even word that? Yeah, like I have no idea. <laughs> They're like, we just want to know so that we know when not to get in with the baby without you kind of thing. Yeah. But it was just massive and massive amounts of guilt that were just everywhere. It was. I've never even thought about that side of all of this. Like, so when you say like, you just don't know until you know. I would have never thought about, because I've never had a NICU baby. I yeah. never have experienced hospital bed rest. And I think, I mean, obviously watching from my perspective, because we do know each other outside of this, yeah. I just couldn't imagine what you were going through. But to hear that part of it, it's like the guilt and the being torn, being in all these different places at once. And that part, like it's, this is helpful for so many people out there that are on the outside perspective to know how to support people in that situation better because that alone is a very heavy burden to carry. I'd never even considered that part of it. Yeah, I didn't really, I mean, it didn't, I didn't know it until it hit me and I didn't realize, I actually started kind of, um, there's like some parent support groups they have and I didn't really ever have time to go to one, but I, I started talking with some of the, the, the moms in there that had been through similar experiences. And um, and I, I, I reached out, especially when I left the hospital. I was like, how do you do this? What do I do? I don't know what to do. I'm losing it. Like, and, and they were like, you just take it like an hour at a time, like a day at a time, like whatever it is that you need to do to like just get through that moment. And they're like, you know, I was lucky I lived three minutes away from the hospital or my kids are older and they were in school. So I'd go when they were in school and they never even knew I was gone. Mm -hmm. And they're like, so, you know, you do the best you can try and make it fun for your kids at home and just try to find a way to make it so that they feel like they have more control over the situation, you know? And it was hard. Like the guilt was just overwhelming. I mean, I remember leaving up until july 25th which was would have been the nine weeks that i was supposed to be on bed rest i would literally walk out of the hospital and i'd look up at the window where my labor and delivery room was where i was sitting in the antepartum unit and i was like i'm still supposed to be there i'm still supposed to be there and i would just start crying my body couldn't do it my body couldn't do it and then you start blaming yourself for these things that are outside of your control mm -hmm. and i get that like logically in my head i'm like i know this is not reality like 
but I couldn't convince myself that, you know, that I shouldn't be feeling those feelings and placing blame on myself for what we were going through and watching my kids go through what they were going through in the hospital and struggling and not knowing, you know, what was going to happen. And we had, we had scares of, you know, is my son, my son got neck in the hospital, necrotizing enterocolitis. It's like 30% of babies die from it. And not knowing if he was going to make it through that or when my daughter, they extubated her and tried to get her off onto a normal ventilator like my son and she didn't, she ended up collapsing along and they had to re-intubate her and I was there for that. And like going through those things that like just not knowing any of that, it's hard to not be, not want to hold someone responsible. And the only person that made sense in my head was me. I was like, this is, this is my fault. And that's, that's what it felt like every day. Is this my fault? My, my kids at home are upset and crying because of me. My babies are in the hospital and they're not still in my belly because of me. And I was, I was angry at myself. I was angry at, I had so much anger during that time. And I just, it was overwhelming. And I'd see people, I tried to go to church couple weeks uh, it was like four or five weeks after the babies were born I tried to go to church and it was the first time going back and I remember seeing someone there with their baby who had been born like three weeks before mine were and I just lost it and it was like tears but angry I was furious just I wanted to break things and scream and punch somebody and say a lot of bad words and and honestly I felt that until my daughter got home three weeks ago so tell us when your son went home and then when she went home so he went home on day 81 it was the last it was August 29th is when he came home they're both um, he came home on oxygen and monitors he's still on that um and um it was oddly I was it was horrible because then the guilt kind of compounds because I'm leaving my daughter in the hospital and I'm like oh great he's getting more attention than she's getting and you know silly things like that but she was actually um she had been on in isolation for three and a half weeks at that point because she got sick in the hospital um And then, like, the day he got home, she got taken off isolation, which was at least that I was grateful for. Um, And it was was kind of a good thing that they came home separate because trying to adjust to a NICU baby and being responsible for this tiny little human that has still has sick lungs and still has massive amounts of, like, mountains ahead of him Mm -hmm. to get through. And oxygen and the medications and all these things trying to adjust to that with one was actually really helpful to like wrap my head around. We got whiteboards and in all honesty, we treat our house like a NICU now. Like I write everything down, everything's labeled. And my husband thinks it's kind of funny. The nurses at the hospital kind of teased me a little. They're like, we trained you well. (laughs) I'm not surprised. Yeah. (laughs) I've worked with Crystal before and she is so organized and so amazing and on top of it. I'm like, I could see this. (laughs) No, I, there's no way I could keep it all in my head if I didn't. Um, 
but yeah so she so he came home then she still had quite a long road right before um he came home she was diagnosed with pulmonary hypertension um so she's on um heart medications and oxygen to treat that she also has um a heart defect that's a pretty serious one that will she has a high likelihood of requiring surgery but they're kind of waiting until she's older unless she starts to get really bad Mm. so they're hoping to hold off until she's like three for that so she came home um we actually she had a lot of feeding issues in the hospital she's still having feeding issues and weight gain issues and things like that so she came home um on day 112 um and it was after we finally gave in and said we're bringing her home with an ng tube because we can't take it anymore Mm mm-hmm um, she was still, she had gotten sick again for a second time and was back in isolation. So I couldn't bring Henry in to see her like with, so trying to keep them separate was really hard. Um, and that's when we finally were just like, it's getting harder for me to be at the hospital. And they gave us the option because of her age to bring her home with the feeding tube. So that's what we did. Um, so she's been home for three weeks now. Um, and you know, we're managing heart medications and and all sorts of different um, medications and oxygen and monitors and we learned how to put in NG tubes and feeding pumps and Whoa. all these things. Um, eventually I'm going to go back to nursing school now because I, I know say. how to apparently NICU experience turns out actually counts as hospital experience. Does it really? Mm-hmm. For like job applications. I believe that. Because <laughs> you get like, get like baptism AIDS. by fire. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it it's yeah, things hit me really hard. I mean, it sounds funny because I feel like this whole thing hit me hard throughout it. But I didn't really start paying attention super well to my own feelings, like majorly, until my 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 son came home. And I I think I thought things were gonna be so much better, and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm gonna start feeling better, like he's home now. And and I think a lot of people expected that too, which was hard yeah. because people don't people don't understand the whole NICU experience and like, you know, well, your babies are healthy. So why are you sad or like whatever? And there's so many things that, that you just, you're dealing with emotionally. Like I'm mourning the fact that I didn't experience a third trimester in my pregnancy. I didn't get to experience like people coming and like seeing my baby and like visiting and you know, all that kind of stuff. Everything was very clinical and, and structured. And I had to ask permission to hold my babies or feed my babies or, do whatever it was I was doing and I didn't get to be mom and and so I think I thought when my son got home I was like okay that's gonna feel better Mm -hmm. you know and he came home and it's almost like everything came down on me at that point like just it hit me hard and I was like why am I not snapping out of this now and I actually I reached out to some of those moms and that I was telling you about and turns out like PTSD is a big thing with the NICU and um, like the likelihood I think of getting postpartum depression after going through a NICU experience is like significantly higher. Times which, 10. Okay, times 10. Literally, that's like the right exact now. verbiage from, yeah. Yeah, Ten which times. I didn't even, I didn't realize that. And I, I've, had, I've had baby blues, like that's, you know, the extent of it. And I didn't know the things to be like looking for necessarily. And I was talking to somebody else that I knew that, was taking some medication and they suggested I call my doctor and so I called and that was the first time actually that they gave me this very lengthy survey over the phone 
to answer all these questions and they give you like a score for it. And I thought it was interesting because in my head, as she's asking these questions, I'm like, well, um, yeah, I feel this way. And yeah, of course I feel that way. And of course I do this. And she's like, yeah, you need to come in and see somebody. (laughs) Um, And it was funny because I'd had my postpartum checkup with my doctor. They didn't ask me any of those questions. They, They said, they asked me like one or two quick questions. And it was always phrased funny. I felt like every time somebody brought it up, because like there were people in the hospital that would bring it up too, but it was like, well, do you feel like you have something like an unjustified feeling of this kind of thing? And so in my head, I'm like, well, everything I'm feeling is justified. My babies are in the hospital. So, okay, apparently it's situational. So I'm not suffering from postpartum depression. Like that's what I was going like in my head. I'm like, okay, that's what's happening. So when, when I did that survey and they, they were like, yeah, uh, we're going to need to get you in. How about tomorrow? It's <laughs> like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> and it was, it was hard. Like when I, I remember calling them and I'm like, um, I, I, I want to talk to somebody about postpartum. And they're like, postpartum what? And I'm like, depression. And it was just this, it felt like this word that I was like, I don't want to say this. I don't want to admit this. And and then I appreciated, like, when I talked to my husband about it, and he was like, I think this is great. Like, not that I have it, obviously. But, like, yeah. but like he's like, you, he's like, I'm worried about you. And this is a lot for anybody. And then when I went in, they gave me an anxiety survey. <laughs> I laughed because it was, like, through the roof. <laughs> it's like five, 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 five. And, and I'm like, she goes, okay. And it was the super soft-spoken little like practitioner. Apparently she specializes in postpartum. I'm like, I wonder if that's because of how you talk. <laughs> you can calm us down. Yeah. I was like, I, I really was, I was like, oh, okay. I'm breathing a little <laughs> slower. Just keep talking. Um, she's like, so... I think we need to prescribe you this medication. Also, you're suffering some, from some pretty serious anxiety. I'm like, uh, yeah. Just a, a little. She's like, so tell me, what's going on in your life? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, okay. Well. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> it's going to be a while. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was just, I don't know. It was hard admitting that I needed help, especially because I'm a control freak. So asking for help and then being like okay I need to take this pill to make me feel better Mm -hmm. when I felt like I was supposed to start feeling better when my baby got home or when both my babies get home that's how I felt when I had RJ I'm like oh we just need to move back to the states yeah we were in Canada like I know I know what the solution is yeah I'm good like I I can handle this this is just situational yeah well and that's the hard thing is I felt like everything was always tied to like well do you feel like this is an unjustified this and I was like well no everything's situational you know Mm -hmm. like we're going through the NICU experience like I spend my days at the hospital that's where I've been for the last four months like you know so of course I feel like this is pretty justified do I really need a pill to fix that no it's going to get fixed as soon as they get home Mm -hmm. and and it's not and the things that I think and I didn't realize it until I mean, it was a little bit before my son got home, like the wake up call of what life was going to look like when they got home, because it's not taking home a newborn baby. It's taking home preemies. And I talked to several people and they were like, okay, so this is what this looks like. Like you have to be on quarantine through RSV season. Oh, so, 
Of course you have to take them home right before yeah. winter. Yeah, right before winter in Utah. Ugh. I can't tell you how many times I've thought about moving. Seriously. Um, if I didn't have a really good support system here, yeah, I'd be out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like the things that like when people come to our house, we have to... Are you up to date on your vaccinations? Have you had a flu shot? Have you been around anybody who's sick? Are you wearing your clothes that you've been wearing all day? Oh, you need to go home and change your clothes into fresh clothes. You need to, like, all these things that, oh, you think it's allergies? Sorry, you can't come into my house. Mm-mm. Like no, you can't mess around. So not only did I, I mean, before before having those conversations, I didn't really think that stuff through. And then after having them, I was like, okay, I get this. And so we were wrapping our head around all that. And then all these other people are like, oh, yeah, your babies are coming home. Everything's fine and dandy. And so in my head, I'm like, no, we're just starting a whole other chapter of hard, massive, massive, hard things. And and those are things that people don't get and they're not going to get. I understand that. But so you just everything makes you feel that much more alone because the only people who understood it are the nurses and now I don't have them Yeah, because my daughter's home. I texted that still. That's good. Um, what, do you, what do you want people to know? How can people support you right now? I... This is for all the moms that are where you're at. Like what what do you feel like giving a voice to moms that are exactly where you're at right now? Like what do you want people to know that are in your circle that want to show up for you? Or that maybe aren't showing up for you? I think one of the biggest things that I've felt like is for the people that, I mean, there's there's people that know surface stuff. And then there's people, there's a, a select few that really know like a lot of what's going on. And the things that we still have ahead of us that we have to deal with, with having these preemies and, and our other three kids at home and just everything. And... not making trying to talk to a couple people about this stuff it's been hard and has felt like the response has been oh well there's something wrong or like with you or with you know those thoughts like no you shouldn't feel that way stop it like that's been I've, I've, I've gotten those kind of comments you know like oh well that's silly stop it Oh, it's as simple as that? Okay, I'll stop it. You know, like... Yeah, sure. No problem. Why didn't anybody tell me this four months ago? <laughs> oh, my goodness. And so it makes it harder to want to, like, talk to people and confide in people when you're afraid to say everything that you feel like is wrong. Like, and and when you're supposed to just be like... Like, literally, I've had people be like, I don't get it. Your babies are home and they're fine. I've had people say that. And I'm like... Okay. I also but just went through probably one of the most traumatic experiences anyone could ever go through, right? So all that when I come, when I get a comment like that, I feel selfish and I feel like a horrible horrible person for and I get it like there are people who are in far worse situations, but that doesn't discount any of the feelings or the trauma that we're going through and dealing with. And yeah, my babies are home and they're relatively healthy. But they've got stuff that we're dealing with big stuff and and there's still emotional trauma and things that we're trying to navigate that I have no idea how to navigate and or how to talk about those things and 
and it's just and I still get these flashbacks of like what this was supposed to look like and what this was supposed to be and and I and it's and it's just it's hard and so I think making people feel like their feelings are valid and just listening like I don't I don't need somebody to tell me this is how you fix it because I don't think anybody really knows that (laughs) I think it's different for everybody on how it gets fixed but just like listening and being there and just like here's a hug here's a smile like I'm sorry I get it you know and and just being okay to let me have my feelings mm-hmm. and let me talk about those feelings that you know this is scary and I'm terrified I'm scared of keeping my babies alive and making sure they don't get sick and RSV and ending up in the hospital again and all these things are you know if their hearts are going to be okay or whatever it is and just just listen and let it be because you know it, I just think it's something that has to be navigated differently for everybody and I think that's the biggest thing that helps is feeling heard especially with no judgment because you're already judging yourself yeah we place so much judgment on ourselves and I mean I do it constantly me too and I have no idea how to stop but letting having other people and being feel like you can trust the people around you to just listen and not make you feel like you're broken or wrong in what you're feeling or oh my gosh you have to take medication how horrible for you that's you know I never had to do anything like that there must be something wrong with you like just that's not what it is it's just it's just part of the process and the things that our bodies go through to have kids and then the things our brains go through raising kids is ridiculously difficult and it's going to be different from one person to the next it's true um one one last thing i want to ask you what made you like you're in it right now you know a lot of women when they come on this show are on their way out of it or it's been years you're like literally in the middle of the tornado like and and you reached out to us like what what made you want to be so brave right now and share your story where you're where you're at like this is incredible I I don't know if I necessarily look at it as brave but I these last I mean this all started in May really so it's been five months it has been so so insanely difficult and it has felt aside from like with friends and I mean I get it like I have friends and I know people that have been there to support me and I don't want to discount that for anybody who's listening to this but aside from like the people the nurses in the hospital and stuff like that it's felt very lonely I mean sitting there listening to doctors and having to understand medical terms that I never thought I'd have to understand or be able to I can I can hold my own in a conversation with you know (laughs) medical professionals now and I never thought I'd have to do that but it's very lonely and it's hard to just feel like people don't get it. And I remember sitting in the hospital on like month three and a new mom 
comes is in there with their baby just barely getting admitted it's like a day old and I can hear her crying through the curtain and all I wanted to do was go over and hug her and just be like you're gonna get through this it's okay you know I'm here for me to talk kind of thing and even though there's all these nurses and these people around you the NICU and this whole experience it can just feel like you're the only person and that you've got the world crashing down on you and nobody else gets it and it's a lot to take on and it's a lot to understand and and it's it's just it's traumatizing and I don't know I just want I want people to know that there's people that get it and that there's people that like I'm happy to talk to people you know, I've I've tried to reach out to some people who've like mentioned on my mom's multiples page, like I'm in the NICU, I'm you know doing this, and I'm like I'm here, like let's talk. Mm-hmm. And as scary as it is to admit that like I've got all these feelings and these things, and the things that are going through my brain, like there's other people that are going through it that are equally scared to talk about those things. So for me to talk about it while I'm in the middle of it hopefully that makes it so that it's a little bit easier for somebody else that's in the thick of it yeah because I think talking about it's going to help get through it faster or at least better I agree um I forgot one other thing I was going to say too I feel like with your with the guilt like you were talking about like that's a common that's a common topic on all of these is the guilt that we and the shame that we put on ourselves, but where is your husband at with it, with a lot of that stuff too? Is he healing okay? Is he doing good? Are you guys, this can cause such a wreck with your marriage too, right? Because you're just in so many different places, like, yeah. and you don't have to get personal within your marriage and stuff, but just like, how has this been for him? Has he had a lot of trauma too? Is it hard to talk about it with each other because you're both processing separate things? Oh, it's been it's been actually really different for the way that he processes things so the way that he has kind of dealt with all of this he's really he gets kind of quiet and removed and like he's just to me my interpretation of it was you're just glazing over you're not like engaging in what's going on and so I'm seeing that and it was you know we actually addressed this probably like around month two he got toward the end of month two he got really really sick and couldn't go into the hospital for like seven weeks it was like horrific so I was going by myself which made it that much more like lonely and I'm seeing all these other people who have their support groups with them and I'm the one talking to the doctors every day and like and yeah they're they're the professionals and they know what's going on with the babies but they're really really good about engaging the parents and like okay here's what's going on do you feel comfortable with this course of treatment or what are your thoughts because you're mom and you're with them every day and the providers change you know so you tell us what you think and I really appreciated that, but it makes it so that you have to be like really in the know of what's going on. And that started to feel really heavy when my husband's not there and the way he addresses these feelings with this were like, I'm just going to kind of sit quiet and remove myself. Yeah. And, um, and I talked to him about that and he's like, that's just how I process it. It's just easier for me to not like engage in, you know, all these like, all of the medical terms and all of the things like okay here's what pulmonary hypertension is and here are the complications that come from this and here's what could happen like and that's what I'm dealing with but for him he's just like I'm just going to take exactly what's coming at me and nothing more Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and 
that was something I finally was like, we, we talked about and I was like, I can't do this alone anymore. Like you have got to engage. And, and I am grateful. I have a really, really patient and good husband who was like, you're right. I do. And it's not fair that you're having to process this with everything and more. And I'm kind of removing myself, not to the point of like, like it's not, I'm not saying like he just wasn't part of it. He just, he didn't talk about his stuff, any of it. He didn't talk to the doctors and nurses. He just kind of let me do that. Mm -hmm. And and I think as moms, we generally are the ones that drive that stuff anyways. It's probably pretty common. (laughs) Yeah. Like we're the ones that go do the doctor's appointments and everything. But when that doctor's appointment is every single day in a hospital for four months straight, it's, I'm like, I can't, I need someone else. I don't want to explain this to you. Like I'm explaining it to a neighbor. Mm -hmm. I need you to understand what's happening with our kids. And thankfully he was like, all right, you're right. And he stepped up and was like, okay, I'm going to listen and I'm going to, you know, be part of that. And he's not going through the same kind of emotions and all that kind of stuff. He doesn't have all the hormones that I'm dealing with, but he has still had some, he's, he's actually started blogging to process his feelings. Good for him. Cause he's like, you know, and it's interesting cause I've been reading some of his stuff and I'm like, I had no idea Wow, you were feeling that way, you know? And, um, and the fears and the scares that he's had in his head that we haven't necessarily talked about because I think he's been so concerned and he's, I'm not a quiet person. (laughs) So when I'm like freaking out, I'm like freaking out out loud. And he's, he's a, um, introvert. Yeah. Yeah. An introvert. So, so is his blog something public? Um, it's, I don't know. I think it is. He's just barely started doing it. He's got like one or two posts up right now and he wants me to start doing it to document things. Because I feel like that would be such a good resource for the dads of all these moms out there. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I can ask him. I don't know. Anyway, by the time we post this, if he's open to us sharing, we'll put it in the description. There you go. <laughs> that'll, that'll work. Because I'm sure the dads don't really yeah. have a lot of support either. Yeah. He wants Granny. me. He wanted it. It's supposed to be kind of a shared thing, but I've been one that's like, I'll, I'll like th- throw up all of my stuff at one time. And then I'm like, okay, that's all. I can't write anything down because if I write it down, I'm going to lose my crap. Mm-hmm. Like I'm good. I'm going to break down and I'm not going to get out, get out of it. And that's, that scares me. Yeah. To not be able to climb my way out when, you know, don't get a lot of breaks as it is. So I don't have time to sit and sob. What's your... Besides the obvious, because you love your children and you love your husband, what keeps you alive today? What keeps you going other than knowing you've, you've got the necessity to, t- to take care of your children, but you're in the thick of it right now? What are you doing besides medication or whatever? What are you doing that maybe other moms aren't thinking about doing that they maybe could be doing that can help them live one more day? Well, from a self-care standpoint, I'm probably not the best person to talk to because right now, honestly, there's not, there's, there's not much aside from, from what I've got going on in my house and what we're dealing with. But I mean, and my, and my kids and my husband, like I, I mean, I, I love, I love them and I'm, I mean, I'm going to get up every day and do what I need to do to take care of them. And I look forward, I, I get excited about, you know, I, I want to be in the present, but I also get really excited about getting past some of these medical hurdles and things like that. But I don't know. I 
I'm not I'm not sure quite how to answer that. I mean what is in my head and what I actually do are two different things. What I want to do I want I want to be more of a voice for this kind of thing, mm-hmm. specifically with the NICU experience and what we've gone through there. Um and those parent support people, I mean they they saved me, they helped me so much and I want to be able to do that for people. And so every day that I, I'm like getting up and going, I'm like trying to learn from what's going on around me and trying to take it in so that I'm like, okay, we're going through this so that we can help someone else, you know, along the way. I, we, my husband found a quote, I posted it on my social media a little while ago. It was something like, you're facing this mountain so that you can teach others that you can climb over it. I don't know. I'm, I'm butchering that, but. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think about that often. I'm like, okay, we're going through this because we're going we're gonna to be able to help other people. And I don't know. I think that's kind of one of the things that helps focus my mind in other ways, aside from the heavy. Yeah. Well, I just, yeah, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that you chose here to share your story. Um... And I can't even tell you the handful of people I know that I'm like just anxiously awaiting sharing this with them um, because they're going through the same thing right now. Similar, very similar NICU babies, twins. Um, So anyways, I am so grateful. And I don't know, I can just, when you just barely talked about the mountains thing and being a support for other moms, like you lit up. And I could see like a drive and a light in your eyes that is exactly how I felt when I was in the thick of it. And I knew, I knew that, um, I knew that I was going to be okay. Cause I knew that one day that all the things that I went through somehow would be a little bit worth it. <laughs> Maybe not all the way. <laughs> and here we are, yeah. you know, yeah. so, um, don't give up on that because what you are talking about does not get talked about at all not just postpartum um but every single thing that you have experienced medical bed rest feeling alone NICU babies health all the things every single part of what you've shared um doesn't get talked about a lot I noticed that as I like mention it to someone here and there they're like oh I did that and I'm like what what huh why <laughs> So anyways, I just thank you so much for sharing. And is there anything else that you want to share? No, I don't. I, I appreciate you letting me share my story. And I don't know. I mean, there's like a billion other things I could say, but I know we're running out of time. So. <laughs> I would love to have you back on. I think <laughs> we're going to do in um, starting early next year, we're going to be doing like mini episodes on oh, stigmas nice. and topics that don't get talked about. And so we have like a little panel where we have another mom that's had NICUs, NICU babies, that she wants to do a whole podcast on that and like a discussion about all the things that no one ever tells you or, you know, whatever. So mm-hmm. I'd love if you would come on. Yeah, that one. yeah, definitely. No, I would, I would love that. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I think there are, I just, I hope that there, the moms out there know that like, there are people that are there to listen and to talk and that are going through it and and 
I don't know. You're not alone. Yeah. Tell even though alone. even though it feels that way, and I still feel that way sometimes. But maybe being that mom for someone else helps even more yeah. than reaching out. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Do you know what I'm saying? No, I get. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. I totally agree. It's it's funny because oddly enough, being here. Like I said, I mean, we're on quarantine at my house, so I don't get a lot of adult interaction with the exception of some of the people that come in and help, which I'm very grateful for. But it feels like I'm like, oh, okay. I, I feel like I'm interacting with, like, so many more people than I'm actually interacting with. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a few. <laughs> well, good. Um, let's do a follow-up podcast and mm-hmm. just see where you're at in a few months and just to tell the moms that are kind of journeying through this with you. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Definitely. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. If you feel like you can relate and would be open to share your story with us, please email us at risingphoenixpodcast at gmail.com. For more information on local and national resources for pregnancy and postpartum health, visit www.postpartum.net or www.psiutah.org. We are recording from the Stone Sheba Podcast Studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and others. Thanks for listening.